Welcome to the Business Connect Podcast, where we learn and grow together. Let's get to the show. Hey guys, y'all are really going to enjoy today's podcast with Dr. J.D. Wielander. He is out of the Pella area here, and he is into real estate. Really appreciate the portion where he talked about his creative financing and just really working to find that win-win between the seller and the buyer on some of his deals. Yeah, I really love the point which he really drives home through the whole thing, education. He really, he mentioned some really good books at the end, ed- educating yourself in business, just making good relationships with people. So yeah, you guys are, you guys know love this one. All right, and with that, let's go ahead and bring him on. All right, welcome to the Business Connect podcast, where we learn and grow together. I'm here with Ben, Josh, and then myself, Nathan. We're here with Mr. J.D. Wielander, or Dr. Wielander, here to talk about some real estate. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. We know you're into real estate, but before we even delve into that, why don't you tell us something about how you got there? Like, how did you end up where you are now? Where did you grow up? How did you take the path that you did? Yeah. Well, it, my story begins in a, on a small farm in northern Iowa, and I, I grew up there with my family. I had two younger brothers, and uh, we were the sixth generation to grow up on that farm, so uh, very much immersed in the history of, of my family with the farming and the land was very important to us and kind of part of our family identity. And so I just grew up really enjoying that, uh, playing on the farm, um, raising animals. Uh, it was through the 80s, so we were uh, pretty frugally living to survive, which looking back on that, you know, I see that as a blessing. And, you know, in the midst of it, that was all I knew. So I really enjoyed that. I went to a small town school nearby and and just kind of uh, grew up wanting to be a farmer. And then just through various doors opening, started pursuing biology more and more, and uh, felt like medicine was a good fit for my interests. You know, raising animals and caring for things and nurturing things, uh, growing up on the farm, fixing things, then general surgery, fixing things with your hands seemed pretty straightforward and the next thing to do with that, and uh, a natural application of a lot of what I learned on the farm. So that was good. I was excited about that. And then as I pursued the, the world of medicine and surgery, kind of all the rigors of training, all the time commitments, getting on the other side of it, just um, kind of uh, a little bit of the realization of what it really was as far as time commitments and uh, lifestyle. Uh, it's a lot of, lot of work, uh, of course, but a lot of time away from your family. So in training, you're like, you know, missing holidays and and uh, family gatherings and you're you know like that's the sacrifice you make to get there and then for my particular field once you get there that continues quite a bit and so then as i started to i was married and then having a family just really uh, thinking through carefully uh how this was shaping my my boy's experience of what their dad was um and when he was not around and then um kind of thinking ahead towards the legacy i wanted and and how i would like to be remembered and how I would like to impact my my boys, and so then uh, that you know also through some job changes and exposure to other partners that ha- were in the midst of real estate, uh, then that that opened my eyes to how that can fit into my life goals and also just kind of my my family goals and how it's an answer to a lot of those questions. So how did you end up? Can't touch on this briefly, but how did you end up getting into and choosing real estate? Why did you choose real estate over another investment? You're, I mean, you're a smart guy. You could have gotten into anything. 
uh, buy real estate. I think persistence is my main attribute. Smarts are down the ways a little bit, but you know that's in there somewhere. But um, I think you know, uh, you know, the, real estate's really beautiful. As I as I shared earlier, you know, I grew up understanding land and the value of land and understanding uh, entrepreneurship with, uh, I had a sheep herd when I was younger. I was in, you know, 4-H and FFA. So that always was exciting to me. And I liked the freedom of that. And then uh, I guess I never really was exposed to, uh, you know, business ownership or uh, real estate in the sense we think about with multifamily ownership or, you know, um, buildings that house people. And that wasn't really on my radar until then I I got into uh, one of my medical practices where we owned a few of our medical buildings and one of those partners was in some commercial and multifamily properties and it just opened my eyes then to some of the tax benefits of that and also then you know reading books and starting to understand more how you're actually able to employ leverage a little bit to multiply your strength as an investor and then uh, seeing the resiliency of that asset over time. Uh, and how it's a little bit different uh, exposure to the market volatility and just liking that diversification and then also liking it's something I can see and touch and kind of help to control a little bit. And those all just resonated with me and how I like to kind of manage things. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of it came, came down to really just the resiliency of it that's been tested through time and then just being able to have more control over what you're doing instead of just turning your money over to something or somebody else to, uh, yeah, to, to uh, take care of. So, right. And I think, yeah, another big benefit of real estate is that you actually can get cash flow off of it rather than an investment that you have to, it grows and then you pull the money out at the end. Yeah. Right. Which is huge. You don't have <laughs> yeah. to sell to realize your gains. Right. right. <laughs> at least some gains. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the same about farmers. You live poor and you die rich and, and to have a little bit of, you know, playing it smartly with, with some of the real estate we're talking about, you, you can uh, have some of that realization of the benefits along the way. And then that allows you to help to craft a little bit more of your, you know, call it lifestyle or your workflow and uh, just kind of your spending time where you want to invest it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an additional benefit to it, it sounds like, is just that freedom of time mm-hmm. they were, that you're exactly. working towards. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I grew up uh, working, you know, in the tractors and the fields with my grandpa and my dad and just that exposure to to the the men in my life and having that time together was really formative for me and and who I was and you know, a little bit of my self-confidence and you know, just wanting to pay that forward then to my boys and and then being able to to do things around the house with them and eventually just, you know, not having to be away, you know, on call so much or things like that. So so I really was excited for imagining and having the vision of how this could all come together and help to to bring some of that home. So tell us a little bit about your first deal. Like what was the <laughs> what yeah. was the first deal that you got well, into? It was actually only, only three years ago. Three years ago in March was my entrance into the real estate world, and that was a single family home in uh, in the town area I was living at. Uh, it, it wasn't a, a grand slam, you know, like the, you know, Brandon and some of the bigger pockets people talk about, you know, it's just important to do your first, first deal. You don't really have to have a home run on the first one. So it did cash flow. It was a nice little bungalow and kind of a, uh, you know, class B neighborhood type of thing. And it was a 1950s type bungalow, a little uh, two bedroom, one bath. And it was just a really cute, cozy little place with a detached car garage. And 
Um, I loved it. I bought that place and I, I went through and, you know, I, I cocked the bathroom. It didn't really need work, but I cocked the bathroom tub and I just was doing all little touch-up stuff, you know, painting window frames and doing every little thing I could. And then when I, it, you know, it was spring in the Midwest. And then when finally snow melted, then I was outside doing some stuff and I really had pride of ownership. That was really fun. And then I, I managed that myself. I found somebody to, to be there. And I think, um, and we did, you know, some type of direct deposit with, you know, Venmo or something like that. And it was really, really fun until they decided to move out early and break their lease. And then I'm like, oh, how do I handle this? And, you know, my wife was like, oh, you know, you're busy at work. You don't have time for this. And it's like, oh, now the stress is going up. And so that was a lot of learning for me. And that was good. Good for me and good for our marriage, too, to work through some of those things and just uh, progress down the road of life experience a little bit. Right. Yeah. A lot of people talk about, you know. All the tenants, like they're all, they're, they won't get into real estate because they're scared of, you know, the tenants trashing the place, leaving early and stuff. You probably have a property manager and stuff like that. But how did you get over that, like fear? Because you said you kind of had that right, right off the bat there once that started right. happening. Right. Yeah, it was, yeah, not a really uh, emergency, but it was just the, the realization that things could quickly stack up beyond what I was able to give time to, and and so. That's then where understanding how you build a team and how you can uh, also leverage that team to be able to do more overall. And so, yeah, in that location, I was able to find a property manager there. And, and since then, I've, I've moved on from that property and moved into other things. And now, you know, the, the property management component really has is, you know, releases a lot of the anxiety. And so having lived it now, we can appreciate it more. You know, sometimes I think you have to feel the pain to really appreciate when it's gone. And, and so we definitely do. And, you know, that, that, that fee and element of the property management for us and where my life commitments are at is like, I'll gladly pay that because that frees me up. That frees me up for some of my time goals with my family, but also that frees up some of my bandwidth of time to look for the next deal and network and, and have a little bit more overall uh, spectrum of what I'm doing as opposed to just having my head down doing all the work on this one thing but I never have any opportunity or or room for growth beyond that right yeah you'll never you never scale unless you give exactly. up some stuff that's, that's nicely right. stated that's right exactly make it. a little bit less on this deal but then you're going to be able to get a lot more deals and exactly create more right. wealth. Exactly. that's what Brandon Turner talks about with it's better to have 10% of all these big deals rather than 100% of this tiny little deal Right. You end up doing a lot better and you have this team. Thanks. And actually with the property management piece too, like I always encourage people, I'm a property manager, but I always encourage people like, hey, your first deal or two, manage it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't you see what goes into it? Why don't you, <laughs> why don't you, <laughs> like, and that way also, when you do get a, if you do end up being a property manager in the future, you know what it takes and you know you're not going to get ripped off yeah, <laughs> because you kind of have an idea of what's actually going on. So. Yep. Exactly right. And, you know, we were the primary people dealing with some contractors and, you know, getting quotes in writing and, you know, just things like that. It's like, you know, things that seem obvious now, but at the time we were in the midst of it and, you know, we learned some things along the way. And, and so that, that's good. That's part of what life is. It's the journey and having traveled that road. Now, like you say, with the property manager, I feel more comfortable turning things over because I know what to look for. And also I'm, I'm just so appreciative of some of those headaches that I know I'm avoiding by going down that road. Well, another thing I like to bring out too is you said at the start, like it wasn't a, your first deal wasn't a home run deal, but it doesn't have to be. The biggest thing is you just jump, you jumped in and you yep. did it, and that's huge because I mean you don't want to get stuck with analysis paralysis and do nothing. 
Right. They never get anywhere. You got to jump in at some point, whether or not it can be a base hit. It can even, I mean, it might be a swing and a miss. Yep. But you still jump in. Yep. That's exactly it. And, you know, as then as I got more into it, then you read more and you listen to more podcasts. And, you know, Brandon talks a little bit about how it's a little bit like walking through the fog. You don't see the 10 steps in front of you. You just see your next step. But that takes you to the next place. And then you meet more people. And then they bring you a next deal. And then pretty soon you're doing a 1031 exchange. And it's like, oh, my goodness, I've never done that before. And now that you've done it, it's like, hey, this isn't that big of a deal. And it's pretty cool. And and so, you know, just you, you build in, you know, the talent stack type of idea. And it, you know, and also... To your point of bringing in a property manager, it becomes more of a team sport, and that's fun. You're not in it alone. You're putting your heads together. You're brainstorming, and then also, you know, a little bit of where I'm at, I've I've done a little bit more with other people, and that's fun to do do deals with other investors and just be talking about things, looking at properties together, and that's the joy of it. That's the joy of living and and sharing the pie and and everybody uh, in benefiting. You know, rising tide lifts all boats, and just being able to share that that win together. Yeah. It's really satisfying. Yeah. also kind of changes things up when you look at it from the perspective of it's a team sport. It's like it's a game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why are you yeah. doing it? it, it it's got to be fun. Yeah, it's got to be fun. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> learn, learning the rules and, yeah. then, and then you become creative within those rules. You know, so the first part is for sure the, the bedrock of education. And then from there, you just start to brainstorm. You know, I, every once in a while, I'd shoot an email to the banker and say, hey, is this possible? And they'd be like, no, 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 don't do that. That's <laughs> Okay, I, I won't do that. So then you think about something else. You're like, what about this? They're like, well, of course, I do that, you know, five times a week. You're like, oh, okay, well, great. Let's think about going that direction. So, you know, creative financing or just, you know, different things to put together. Um, some things, it's just the creativity of it is also very enjoyable. And that's just kind of the challenge of, of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying creative financing. I just want to jump in and say, what, what was your most creative financing wise uh, deal that you've done so far? <laughs> well, I know you've done some. Yeah, you know, a lot of different well, things. Well, you know, I've always, you know, listened to podcasts and all gurus talking about doing seller financing. It's like, oh, that sounds so cool. And so, uh, about uh, this last spring, I bought us several duplexes from a nice elderly couple, and and you know, I brought up seller financing. And at first, they were like, oh, you know, uh, I don't know if this guy's trying to like pull a fast one on us. And then they they spoke with their their accountant, and it's actually somebody that I had had known me and had other contacts with me. So they kind of vouched for. You may be an incredible guy. And so they're like, okay, now explain this again because we don't really get it. So then I explained it again. They're like, uh, we just would like to get our money. It's like, okay. So, so I've tried seller financing before. Then just recently, uh, got a deal to go through with seller financing. I'm really excited because that was all the difference between a cash flowing and not cash flowing. And, you know, this person had been owning their, their property for a while and managing it. And I think they're still kind of interested in having some benefit and income from it but not so much the property management, maybe having more freedom to travel. And so they were willing to do seller financing. That was, I think, one of the most creative ones, I guess, and I'm really proud of that one. Um, also then, you know, forming a multi-member LLC and, and having a little bit of a larger purchase as a group that I was able to kind of uh, orchestrate and coordinate. And that was really something, you know, two or three years ago, if you asked me if I thought I could do that, I'd be like, oh my goodness, that sounds beyond what I've ever known. And now, you know, between reading, listening to things, having a good team together, it's really exciting to get some of those wins. Right. Yeah. I love the ways that you can do creative financing where it just helps the seller and the buyer because the seller on the seller financing, um, they don't get hit with all those taxes. And then for you, it can be the difference between cash flowing and not. And it's really cool how you can just work the numbers and terms 
and you know create something even better. That's right. And you know, in this case, they're getting full asking price, and and so it's like, well, let's find the things that are important to you, and find elements that are important to me, and and very often there's a way that you can find a way to accomplish a lot of those together at once. And I, like you say, that's really fun. Yeah. All right. What projects do you have going on currently? What are you working on uh, right yeah, now? Yeah. Well, uh, kind of a, a two-tiered thing. Uh, like I said, I have this multi-member LLC where we have a commercial property that's getting a few. It was a little bit neglected, so just doing a few odd jobs, getting that all spiffed up, and that's cash flowing nicely. And then, as a group, we're kind of thinking about what our next thing collectively will be. And then, so we've we've got that cooking a little bit, and then. You know, more smaller scale, kind of locally, I, I'm doing more properties kind of with myself or with one or two other investors and, and just kind of uh, buying places and, and getting them rehabbed a little bit and moving them up a little bit on the rental market. And, and that's really exciting too, just being able to add value to a property. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of someone, I have trouble throwing things away at home. My wife is always working on, you know, tidying up the house and I always like, well, we could use this for this. So I really like rehabbing and finding new uses. And I think property is a little bit of that outlet for me now that I have to have a clean room more than I've ever had before. So that's, that's fun to be able to fix things up, find a use and, and be able to, to get a, a benefit and, and functionality out of something that otherwise would uh, be overlooked by most other people. Yeah. We brought this up in previous podcasts as well, but I think real like getting into real estate and improving these properties is also yeah. a very tangible way to spread the gospel and to show the push the kingdom of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. That's a big part of, of who I am in my life is is uh, living a life of faith and who I am in His image and in response to what grace I've been given. And so just to share that with others, uh, you know, to be a good landlord, to give them a good, safe place to live, to treat other people as humans, you know, and to treat them well, you know, that's, that's so much of, I think sometimes is, is missing and overlooked. And yes, we want things to be profitable, but also we can work on this together. Kind of like creative financing. It could be a win-win, you know, people need a place to live and a shelter, or maybe they're not in a position or they don't have a goal of owning their own property. It's like, that's great. I would love to own a property that you live in that that's wonderful. And as long as you take care of it, I think we can have a lot of things to line up with meeting our goals. So that's really exciting. And just your, your scope of influence and then as you own properties and you're employing people to fix them up, you're, you're providing cash flow, you're providing, for those people you're providing a job, your sphere of influence is growing as an individual. And then there that's just sharing your, your values and, and trying to encourage other people in pursuit of, you know, a, a life devoted to Christ. So that's really exciting as well. I want to jump back, um, something that I don't think we touched on, but how are, how are you, uh, how were you able to find those uh, your your first deals? Were those just on the MLS, or were you able to um, find those off market originally? How were you able to find most of these deals, and especially the beginning ones? As we like to bring a lot of knowledge to the newbies and people just starting out, um, how how were you able to find those? Were those deals that could just cash flow on the market, or tell us a little bit about? Yeah, that. no, they were. I definitely <laughs> didn't have any insider information. <laughs> Uh, through some work contacts, you know, they like, oh, you know, I have this guy, you know, a realtor person. And so everybody has a guy and he was, he was very nice. He was very, you know, gracious. And I think on, honestly was really trying to help me find the right first property. So it was off MLS, you know, I every couple of days text him like, oh, what about this new thing here? And he'd steer me a little bit away from things, but then we walked through a lot of places and I learned a lot from him just looking at structure, you know, foundations and cracks. I didn't really know that stuff coming into it. 
and then you know roofs and you know furnace life ac life so i learned a lot from that and then just running the numbers and that's a practice that a lot of the you know experts that are doing this a lot really recommend is running a couple deals through your analysis every couple weeks and so just finding spreadsheets getting more comfortable with you know calculating cap rate and calculate noi and understand those numbers and just being it's the foundation of your education so the answer is yes it was off mls that's a little bit why they weren't great deals too it wasn't like a, a thing but also i didn't have a lot of time or resources put into a rehab or a flip and a lot of value add at, at that point and I didn't know people. And so I was just looking for something that would work in cash flow. And so then from there, then after moving, you know, to a, a more local location to where we are now, then through networking and, and now, you know, having a couple off market deals, it's really fun to to feel like you're getting out there and, and meeting people and being connected to the right people at the right time. That's really exciting as well. Let's uh let's touch on that cap rate and NOI. What are those? Can you define those? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because you think something that's that's a formula wouldn't be controversial, but then you read all these opinions and like almost arguments. You're like, oh man, I don't think I want to get an argument about this. So you know, it, it's it's kind of interesting how uh, people can you know, take things and just like take it down a rabbit hole. Um, so, but yeah, you know, so NOI is is your net operating income, which which really helps you understand, you know, after all the gross income and then you have your expenses, you know, different buildings have different expenses, different locations have different expenses, whether it be outside maintenance fee or, or if you have an older building, it just has lots of annual maintenance needed. So, so then to peel all that away and to see what's left after all that is then how you get to more of an NOI number, which is kind of a true cash or real cash after expenses. And that doesn't include financing because, you know, that has such a variable thing too. So to just have some common definitions, then NOI gets to more of hard numbers. You know, what's your take-home money um, before you talk about, you know, financing it or things like that. And then cap rate, you know, is a little bit of that ratio to the, of your NOI to that total purchase price. And so that, you know, that that's kind of the basic formula for it, but then like how, how you interpret cap rate, you know, a little bit of that is is your return on investment. A little bit of that also is the market demand of what people are willing to pay for a certain type of property. And so then that gets where, you know, oh, well, I want something to pay a lot, but then usually that comes with some degree of risk. But then also as other factors such as financing and, you know, location and, you know, neighborhood demographics, you know, that, that fluctuates then how much people are willing to get aggressive and, and bid the price up on a property. So then obviously a lower cap rate correlates with a higher overall valuation and price, aka safer investment, whereas a higher cap rate, you're making more money, but also it might be perceived as risky, whether it's more of a venture uh, capital thing or a riskier market or an older building or, you know, what other factors make this a little bit more of a higher risk but possibly higher uh, uh, gain or income investment. Right. So how how is that? Hopefully that wasn't too controversial. <laughs> <laughs> no, to I, think, I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's good. Yeah, I like the point too about the um, basically the higher the risk, the higher the reward. <clears throat> Therefore, if it's a higher risk, you should be making some more because right. you need a higher reward to take that risk. Right. Lower the risk, then obviously lower the reward. So if you have a small cap rate, let's say a cap rate of 3%, like if you're out on the coast sometimes, that's yeah. considered a very safe investment. You get 3% return on your money. Whereas if you're somewhere that's like a 10 cap, 
Uh, you might be looking at like an older building or the demographic shift a lot or it's a smaller town. You know, there's all kinds of factors play into that. Mm-hmm. Consider riskier investment, but you make 10% on your money basically. So, no, that was really, that was really good. So what are your, what are some of your plans and your goals for the future? <laughs> Where do you see yourself going from here? Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's always changing a, a little bit of, of, I guess my recent years is also just realizing, you know, a little bit of, uh, I think in seven habits talking about, you know, beginning with the end in mind. So then, you know, some of the, the thinkers talk about, you know, starting with your, your funeral obituary. What do you want people to say about you? And then how would you like your family to remember you? How would you like your friends? What would you like your legacy to be? And then working backwards from that, then, okay, well, that means I'm not at work all the time. And that means I have time for this. And that actually means I have some resources and, and money to spend on this or to donate to that. And then working back on that, then what does that mean for me, my goals in the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years? So so really, I, I've, I've dedicated basically a decade of my life to education after college to be trained in doing what I do. And I, I do love that. And I do like how I'm uniquely positioned to help people, especially at a time of crisis or fear. And I feel like that's really kind of who's God, God has made me to be quite a bit. What I don't like about that is, is a little bit of the demands that puts on, on me, but more so now my family. And at what cost am I willing to do that? And that's where real estate and supplementing a little bit of what I do with that and then developing, you know, call it a side hustle or just a, more of a, a developing a business on the side to where that can be a little bit more of what I do. Um, I don't think I completely want to hang up my day job because I feel like so much of that has been invested in my life getting to that point. And also that's, I think I, I do it pretty uniquely and specially um, more than somebody, just anybody off the street could. So that's definitely part of my purpose in this world, I feel strongly. But also I, I would really like to have the flexibility to help to have a little bit more design and uh, a direction in my life and my time. So getting to your answer, your question, um, I'm excited to continue to develop a little bit more of my, my personal holdings, but then also step it up with the group at large. I, I'm really interested and curious about you know, syndication type things. I, I know a lot of people that are interested in investing in somewhere other than the stock market and then to be a, a, a confident uh, source of them entrusting me with some of their funds for that. Like That would be really exciting to develop more of a model for some of that. Again, to, to share the pie with even others bigger than my investment group so far to some hard money lenders or things like that to uh, just give some value to more people around me and, and again, continue to just bless others with this avenue of real estate. Um, so that's what I'm excited about, continuing to build that and then eventually maybe clicking down a couple of days of how many days of the week am I actually at the hospital and working and taking call. Um, that would just be really fun to have a little bit more uh, control over some of those hours. Yeah, some more control and flexibility. Yeah, I love the, I love what you're talking about. The way that you um, broke down from um, all your goals from you know when you die all the way back to now. Um, I think I've done that in my life um, several times with a couple of yeah. groups of people, and I think it's super helpful for really anyone um, to do that. Just because like yeah, otherwise then you're not. You without a vision, really, you know, you're not going anywhere. So, yep, I I love what you touched on that. Thank you, appreciate it. No, I've I've learned a lot listening to John Maxwell. He has he has a lot of good material out on a podcast, and um, and then uh, Dominic Petruccio, Design Your Future, is a book that kind of touches on that. 
um, just thinking ahead to uh, to uh, your life and, and designing your life instead of you know drift and just like oh I just respond live a life of responsiveness and it's like no I can actually uh, have some goals in mind that doesn't mean everything like works out exactly how you plan but to have a game plan and and to you know it's not the the direction of the wind but the set of your sails that determines your destination was a quote that I like to uh, remind myself of a lot so. So yeah, just uh, and taking time. So the John Maxwell idea was was that he takes time at the end of every year, like a couple days or a week, to really reflect and have an intentional goal setting for each year. So I think there's a lot of wisdom in that and things I can learn. So yeah, just having that direction that you're going. Yep. Now what a uh, sounds like your goal is not necessarily to completely quit being a doctor, being a surgeon, and go full time real estate and everything. Um, what advice would you have for somebody who is in the same position you're in, who it feels like they are called to work to work the job that they are now, whether that be as a doctor, as a lawyer? Like we need people mm-hmm. like that in sight. We need we need guys like you. Yeah, well, yeah. we we can't have we can't have everybody well, we, like taking off for real estate, right? Yeah, we, but, we all have a role to play. But, right, but yeah. also being able to build that um, build that freedom yeah. on the side and everything, and not be completely have that flexibility have that to get that flexibility what advice would you have for somebody who's in that position yeah well i I think understanding maybe what learning learning more of yourself and understanding maybe what your goals are is one of the first steps and then uh, understanding what kind of work-life balance is is maybe some of your goals too and then for me finding some real estate to supplement that becomes a part of it so so, you know, kind of financial education 101 is, I think, number one, track your expenses and then work to create a margin between your income and your expenses. And sometimes that means working a little more or having a side job, uh, toning down your expenses. And then you have just a little bit of extra income. And then it's like, what do you do? And then, you know, you get into Dave Ramsey with tackling debt and paying down bad debt. And then you, you know, talk about investing in 401ks and, you know, maybe you're not a Roth. And then as you build on your financial competency, continuing to read and then figuring out if real estate can, it should be a part of your plan and, or how that should be. And so you just kind of build on those, the, those foundational components of starting out with financial uh, competency and, and education. Yeah. Really just getting that financial education down. Yeah. Super important. Yeah. Awesome. I wish there would be more focus on that in, in our schools. And so that's, you know, also growing up on the farm, I felt like I had some of that to some degree. But, you know, in the last five years, it's just it's grown by leaps and bounds. And so then, you know, I love just talking about that with people here. But at, at work, you know, with, you know, whoever, nurses or techs, it's like, hey, you know, you know, what are you what are you investing in? Or, you know, what, what are you doing with your extra money? And they'll just look at me, extra money? It's like, well, right. you, you yeah. got to find a way. you got to find a way. <laughs> and just making that a priority when you're young. And then it just you have time for that to compound. Yeah. I think it's super important, too, to remember. I know in our groups and everything, we talk a lot about, business getting into business and everything but also like we touched on the last podcast as well that god call, calls us all to different different places he calls some people to start all these businesses and jump right in he calls some of us to be welders to be doctors mm-hmm. be lawyers to do these different things but the most important one of the most important things is doing the best that you can to the glory of god and then uh that piece of financial competency and education that you were just touched that you touched on, I think is super important as well. 
Agreed. That that's that's great uh, element of it, and, and also I think um, having contentment. You know, I think we live in Native, you know, you know, with our electronic media, and you're like always looking at the perfect world that other people portray, and just being content. The grass is always greener on the other side, you know, and, and that's why I consider it such a blessing to have you know, grown up on a farm. I drove a semi through college to help pay for college. You know, I've I've worked, I've, you know been blessed and fortunate to be able to do some traveling around the world and you see other people in different situations and, and now I'm I'm in the medical field and there's a lot of upsides to that but there's a lot of headaches and challenges and things that make my hair fall out with that too with just worrying and stress and and just to be content to, to cast your cares upon the Lord he's he's put you in a place for a particular time and purpose and reason and you don't know what the next step will bring um, and, and being grateful for the role that you're able to play in wherever he's placed you, whether that be a welder, a doctor, a, you know, a, a, a doing a podcast, a, doing construction, you know, do it all for the glory of God with all your might, you know, and, and that's, that's really uh, gratifying. And then to be in community with that common goal, that's really the, the sweetness of living on this earth is to have that in common. That's yeah. awesome. That's, that's great. That's great. I love stuff. it. That's <laughs> awesome stuff. And you talked a lot about. You've said a lot that um, the education along the way has really helped you. What kind of books would you suggest to everyone? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I love to read. Yeah. I, I love audio books. I can listen to things faster than I can read them. So it's like, oh, now we can really fast forward through stuff. Start so, up to one and a half, two. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. I have boys that don't sleep at night, so I have to lay down with them, and it's like, oh, I, I get an hour of time with them, but it's like three or four hours of content. So it's beautiful. <laughs> so, so you know, with students that rotate through young people, it's like, okay, I think there's a couple categories in your life you really need to do required reading. And so one, number one is human relationships and interactions. And I think number one on that is how to win friends and influence people. And that's, that's been around forever. It's an old classic, you know, there's, there's some, you know, weaknesses in it and a little bit of it can be dated, but ultimately it's about human interaction and, and getting along with people. And I think that's just so many simple truths in that. Um, and then. Uh, let's see. Then uh, next one is, I think, in that category is the five love languages is really just opened my eyes to that. I just read that like five years ago. My wife's been talking about it for a long time. And it's not just for marriage, not just for families. But that also is a human relational book that really helps you understand how people think, how um, what fills their buckets and, and what can make it good. So that's, I think, number two. And then number three in that, uh, I think, is Never Split the Difference. I think that's a great book by Chris Voss with Negotiation. And, um, and I think, you know, the three of those stacking up really has broadened my, my spectrum and perspective on human interaction. And, of course, there's many great books there. But I think those are three that I recommend to students that come through for, like, human interaction education. Right. No, that, those are good. Yeah, and, and then, of course, then from financial stuff, you know, I think, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is one of the great, great kind of entry books. I think The Millionaire Next Door is a great entry book. I think that's really good for people in the professional world. The White Coat Investor by Dr. Jim Dolly. He's a New York doctor out in Utah. He really breaks it down well about living within your means, living like a resident even after you're an attending, and developing more of that margin of what I was talking about, that extra money to pay down debt to that extra money to invest in a employer matching retirement fund to then invest in some real estate. So I think he does a really great job of making it uh, simple, uh, 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 understandable uh, components of that fund of knowledge. 
And then from there, you can get a little bit more. Uh, the second layer, I think, is The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. It's a really good book just about kind of life planning. He talks about more like uh, mutual funds and, and index funds, but uh, just that mindset is great. And then you get into a little bit more of the real estate world, I think. That's where some of the bigger pockets books comes in. Um, that, that's really been helpful for me. Then you start to get into those podcasts such as, you know, bigger pockets and, you know, starting to build off of that. So, so those are, I guess, some, some categories of, of, of books and, and types of, you know, education that I found extremely helpful. No, that's awesome. We, I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, that's I think, uh, book. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we're wrapping up here. Um, where can people find more about you? you know? <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, that's, I, I, in general, try to keep kind of a low profile, so, you right, know, yeah. like, um, you know, I think that that's actually maybe a, a challenge for me for the future to develop more of my business side, and if I'm interested in actually, you know, growing more of a, a cooperative and even syndication front, so there's not really a lot, I guess, uh, as far as websites about me, I think, you know, I think what you guys have here as a resource is really great for people, and I guess maybe if I'm fortunate enough to ever be back as a guest, maybe I'll have something to report on that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You have to leave with the goal. Yeah. When you travel to Europe or anywhere, you have to leave something undone, so right. you come back. So you don't see, you're like, oh, I really got to go back and check that out. So I think that's my my thing that I'll leave here. I'll say, oh, I really got to work on that. There you go. Or you no. come back on, we'll expect yeah. the website that's or yeah. something. <laughs> that's right. There you that's go. good. That's good stuff. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, that's all for today. Thanks all right. for tuning in.